Hey, welcome to Souls and Hearts Be With the Word, and we are just so happy to be with you on this Easter Sunday, so alleluia and welcome. And I'm Dr. Jerry Creed. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Peter Malinowski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's good to see you, Dr. Jerry. Yes, and Be With the Word, you're here. We reflect on the Sunday readings, and we're just so blessed this Sunday because we are reflecting on a mountain of readings from the Easter Vigil that we read and hear with the Word. So if you would like to hear these readings read to you, all nine of them. <laughs> and the Responsorial and yes. the Psalms, right? Yes. We don't want to short you. It's uh -huh. the longest hear with the word. <laughs> uh, hear the word. Uh, join us on that um, podcast called Hear the Word. Hear the Word. Which you can also get on our website. You can get on Spotify and Apple and all that. Not on YouTube, though. Right. So. All right. Well, Dr. Peter, uh, we're just so excited to be with you. Hey, oh, can I start and say... Uh, yes. He is risen. He is risen. He uh, is risen. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, I was a test. It was an evil test on my part. As a Byzantine Catholic, the response to he is risen is oh. indeed he is risen. Oh, indeed he is risen. See, now I'm getting educated here <laughs> in the Byzantine, right? <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. So, well, but I, but I know you did some reflections and had some themes for this. Subject, right, so right. So, so, yeah, I mean, the, the big theme is I read these nine readings and the responsorial Psalms, and I reflected on where we are in our culture right now with the coronavirus situation, the pandemic, was really imagining what it would have been like to be early, early on the first Easter Sunday morning, right? And think about where Mary Magdalene, the apostles, the disciples, where they were in that moment, utterly shell-shocked by uh, what had happened, right? And things were, um, things were really uncertain. Things were very difficult to understand. They were just, um, you know, gobsmacked by, um, by, the, uh, by the crucifixion and death of our Lord. And so I found sort of resonating with that, right? As we are in this really unpredictable situation, we're facing, you know, unprecedented uh, challenges. Um, and, you know, and so I went into the readings with that mindset and lo and behold, there were all kinds of things going on in there about being ready for the unexpected, being ready for the unexpected, right? Things are not as they seem. And, um, and, and what came to me over and over again as we go through the readings is this theme of let's not rely on our unaided human vision. Let's rely on what we know to be true by divine revelation, right? So there's going to be this tension that we're going to see in the readings as we go through them, right? So, so starting off with the very first reading, which is from Genesis, uh, it's, the, it's Genesis um, 1, where, where, where our Lord makes the earth out of the you know, out of nothing, right? It's a formless wasteland. And it just made me reflect on the power of God, right? Just the amazing power of God to create everything out of nothing, right? You know, what, then, hit, what hit me there, by the way, was yeah. the, the, this theme that we've seen since the beginning of Advent when we started our show, is, which is light. And then light. God says, let there be light. Let there be and, light. And that, just, and that links into me to having sight. Right. It links right. into me to having wisdom having hope and so on Isn't well and powerful? that's and, and you see that in, on easter morning right mary magdalene and, and you know waits until the sun rises right because then the sabbath ends and she can go out and care for the body of our lord or 
that's what you thought you was going to do, right? So then it, it really ramps up in Genesis 22 when our Lord puts Abraham to the test, right? And says to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son um, and, you know, gives directions to climb the mountain, right? And it takes, it takes Abraham three days to make the journey. And so for three days, he knows that God has asked him to sacrifice his son. I can't imagine that. Can you imagine that? Like as a parent, any of you that are parents, think about like God asking. And remember at that time, human sacrifice was common. It was common practice in, 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 in many of the cults, you know, in the Middle East at that time and, and around the world, right? Human mm-hmm. sacrifice. And child sacrifice. And child sacrifice specifically, right? You know, and so here is, here is Isaac, totally unaware, totally naive. In fact, they're climbing up the mountain and, uh, you know, and it says that Abraham laid the bundle of wood on Isaac's shoulders, you know, very evocative of the cross, right? Mm-hmm. Abraham's carrying mm-hmm. uh, the knife and the fire. Right. And can you imagine a father's heart when Isaac says, Hey, we have, we have the wood, we have the fire, we have the knife, but where's the sheep for the sacrifice? You know, it's like, and what does Abraham say? He says, he says, God will provide the sheep. Right. And so I don't know if he had any inkling at all, but he was hoping and trusting because this looks like a horrible situation, right? You're supposed to be the father of many nations, you know, and he got, he's, here's God asking him to sacrifice his only son. But and things did not, not. And he's not young. He's right? not young. No, he's. This is already a miracle, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. You know, and he, and, and, you know, and, um, and, and he, he does not know how this is going to play out. He does not know how this is going to play out. And at the and he's actually drawing the knife before the angel of the Lord intervenes, right? Mm-hmm. And he did, you know, he trusted that things would work out, even though it looked totally, totally horrible. So that brings us to, unless you have anything else about that, we can go right to the well, third reading, which was like, wow. I, I just think that's an amazing amount of trust, right? Like, yeah, you emphasize yeah. that. Yeah. That it's crazy trust because he already was given this crazy miracle. And he loves this child. And then he's being asked to take its life. And he's still willing to do it if that's what God wants. If that's what God and wants. And of course, it's not ultimately what God wants. And God right. makes that clear. And there, but it's the fact that he had trust, even right. when he couldn't see. Even when he, when he didn't know what the heck God was, could possibly be wanting out of this. He right. still went there. And then God says, I will bless you abundantly. Right. 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 Which right. to me is this beautiful faith, true faith, even when you can't see is therefore is then blessed. Mm-hmm. By God. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. what struck me. As- yeah. I mean, wow. What a, what a, what a reward, right. For that, for that trust. It's am- that's amazing. Which then gets us to, to Exodus 14. Right. And so let's set the scene, right. The Israelites, you know, experience the 10 plagues descending onto Egypt. Pharaoh eventually kicks him out. Um, you know, they're traveling through the desert. They wind up, they wind up on the shores of, um, of the Sea of Reeds, right? Yeah. Pihahiroth and Baalzephon, in front of Baalzephon. And if you look at that, they're basically in this, uh, in this terrible tactical position, right? They've got the sea in front of them and probably on two sides, and the Egyptian army shows up in all its strength. Egypt was really the, the international power at the time. Shows up with 300 chariots, 
and they are trapped. They look absolutely trapped. And if you start a little bit before where, um, where the reading starts for, for the Easter Vigil, the, the people are upset, they're frightened, they're blaming Moses, they're blaming God, and it's, it, there's just this terrified you know, this terror, this terror just overtakes the people. And of course, we know the story, right? Uh, God says to, to Moses, you know, raise your staff over the sea, the waters part, the Israelites pass through, the Egyptians follow, and then they're totally obliterated when the waters rush back, you know. And so God takes these opportunities where it looks to unaided human eyes like all hope is lost, right? Um, and again, in this case, tests test Moses and the, and the Israelites, right? Mm-hmm. An amazing situation comes out of that. Like it's a t- totally turns the situation on their head. The Egyptians were walking into the trap, not, yeah. not the, uh, not the Israelites being in one. Yeah. Again, a bunch of slaves, like, well, quite a large number in fact, but of slaves are kind of easy pickings. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that's how we feel. Like I know that on some level when it comes to like unknown viruses or pick something else even, you know, I feel like easy pickings in this vast universe of possible threats. Yeah. I mean, economic dislocations, you know, civil unrest. I mean, we're in, we're in for a lot of different challenges with this whole coronavirus thing. So, you know, financial markets collapsing. I mean, it's this, we're in for a, a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, if you get into the, into looking at this could be extremely frightening. Right. And we if know from look- the whole story, like even later, like it's not just like after the Egyptians' chariots are all thrown away. It's not like they just have an easy road for the next. <laughs> like, and I, we know that they do like have troubles and a lot of them kind of complain and turn against Moses and God, you know, but then they, that has to get turned around and they finally do. We know they make it to Israel, but, but still it's like we, it, this is a major moment of realizing, wow, God will protect us ultimately. ultimately. Yeah, yeah. And that brings us to Isaiah 54, which is the fourth reading, right? And there's this beautiful passage in there where, where um, our Lord says, the Lord calls you back like a wife forsaken. Hmm. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with great tenderness, I will take you back. Wow. So I was thinking, you know, how many of us have moments at least where we feel abandoned? Right. I mean, we feel abandoned uh, in some ways, maybe even by God. Right. Because we don't have access to the Blessed Sacrament. We don't have access to our churches. We don't have access to mass. We don't have access to our parishes. Um, There's a lot of things sort of being stripped away from us. And it can it can be easy again with pure human vision to say, where are you, Lord? You know, and um I'll tell you, I, I love what you, what you noticed in that word of abandon and that, you know, he's acknowledging on some level, I abandoned you mm-hmm. for a brief time, but I'll take you back and this kind of thing. Um, what struck me was the line, my love shall never leave you. <laughs> you know, that felt, that feels like, you know, you, attachment theory. I'm always looking a little bit through the lens of attachment theory. My love shall never leave you. Right. So even if you experience a sense of abandonment, even if you experience hardship, my love shall never leave you. And I think of that in terms of trauma and stuff that he will, even in the worst moments or even the difficult moments, um, he's there. Right. He's ultimately right. always, his love is always going to be true and present. Right. Right. 
No, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, you, um, you hit it right on the head, right? And because it's not just about our feelings, you know, it's not just about our, our internal experience because that's generated by a whole lot of other things apart from what is actually historically or, or, or true in the, in, the, in the present, right? I mean, there's a whole bunch of ways that we can distort and confuse things in our minds. And I think a lot of times, especially in our day and age, people rely on their, their feelings. And if they don't feel it, it's not there. And if they feel it, it's there. And, you know, one of the things that reading after reading is, is telling us is that, you, you know, our subjectivity isn't the measure mm-hmm. that we should be using, right? Yeah. We've got to rely on something much deeper, much stronger, much more tied to reality. You know, that makes so much sense to me because often it's very hard as a therapist because we work with clients who are struggling in the moment. And even if I know this is just a moment, right? It's not the big picture. Or even if I want to think to some extent, we all struggle. Right. Right. And so there is no answer to your struggle right now any more than there's my, the answer to my struggle 10 years ago or yesterday or why people somewhere on the planet are struggling right now. There's no actual, like that's in God's hands. We don't understand it, but for a human being in the moment, when you are suffering, when you are fearful, when you are scared, that moment feels like everything to right. that one person. Right. It feels like God has abandoned them in that moment. And it, you can't just go, well, you know, you're just one person like all of us who experienced this, <laughs> right? Like right. you have to attend to it. And yet right. somehow, how do we bring them this message? Yeah, there's, there's parts of the brain that go offline in, in, when, in re-experiencing trauma that, that are, are like the, the, it's the temporal cortex, right? So that's how we assess time. So the past and future collapse into the present, mm-hmm. right? It's just like you're in the eternal now. And whatever you're experiencing now feels like it's always been that way and it will always be that way. And that's a neurological thing, mm. you know? And so there are ways with EMDR and other trauma, IFS, other trauma modalities where we can actually help people to get those parts of the brain back online. That's part of the big, you know, the big thing with EMDR. It's about like, you know, actually stimulating the brain bilaterally in order to, to overcome that because that's something that's happening on a natural level, but it has tremendous spiritual implications, right? Because yeah. of how that filters the way that we look at God, right? The Israelites in that moment of seeing the Egyptian army were not able to appreciate like what, was, what had happened with the 10 plagues and all the power and the might of God's arm you know, that had vanquished, that had vanquished the Egyptians, you know, just a matter of weeks before, right? It wasn't that many days, you know, before. So, you know, but they, in, in, in the fear, in the terror of that situation, it's so easy to lose track of that. So, yeah. Yeah. And so these words, my love shall never leave you. And then in the next Isaiah, right? It's an everlasting covenant. Right. Right. We go on to the, to the fifth reading, right? And um, it, there, yeah, it's an everlasting covenant. He says, you who have no money, come, receive grain and eat, right? Come without payment and without cost, drink wine and milk. It's a celebration, right? So now we're moving into the, to the joy, right? And we get this admonition. We get this, we get this statement from our Lord, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, <laughs> nor are your ways my ways, says right. the Lord. 
This is Peter's favorite passage. Okay. I love this passage in the <laughs> Old Testament, right? You know, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts, right? He's saying your perceptions are not the way that I see things. And it's an invitation for faith. This is where we need the virtues of faith and hope. We right. need those virtues of faith and hope, which are infused virtues, right? We need to ask for those, um, you know. And so it goes on. I mean, it goes on from there, right? Will we be humble enough? Will I be humble enough to accept that my ways, my perceptions, my, my vision, my human vision is not how God sees it, right? Because I'm a finite being, right? Um, and God is infinite. And can I, can I be can I be a sheep in his sheepfold? Can I be like a little child? Can I come to him like a little child? Or do I need to dictate the terms to God? You know? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's funny. This is a silly anecdote. I don't know. But when I was in, I can remember being in high school, I think like 10th grade. And at one point and being a little alone at the time. And I had a cat, a kitten. And that's all. I, for a little while, I lived on my own with this kitten. And, um, this cat, I remember feeling the sense that this cat knows nothing of my life. No idea when I go to school and come back. It has nothing. It's just this little cat and it totally depended on me. Right. And I feed it and cuddle it. And I remember I went to a teacher. I can't remember which teacher. I want to say it was Mrs. Smallian. I don't know if she's still around. But anyway, and I told you that I had this like insight right into the universe that and i said you know i bet that's like the way god is with us that i'm like god and it's and as humans like me i'm actually well like a cat that right. you know what she said what? She said even more than that even more than that right i think she was right yeah exactly. the difference between me and a cat or a kitten and me and god is actually greater difference it's a greater difference between, yeah, greater difference between you and God, right? Yeah. And I mean, I go back to sheep every now and then, right? Like right. Um, when, we, when we trim sheep hooves, the sheep are not like, oh, yeah, great. I really need that. I don't want foot rot. I need regular hoof care. They don't say that, right? They, they struggle, right? They don't understand. Even once you've done it over and over again, they still don't understand why they're getting their hooves trimmed. Mm-hmm. If you don't trim them, They'll get foot rot and you can actually, it's horrible when it happens, right? Fortunately, we've never had a terrible case here, but the whole hoof can be eaten off, you know, and, and, and it'll kill them eventually. So, you know, in that sense, the sheep do not know what's best for them <laughs> right. and they don't appreciate the shepherd doing that. Right. Um, and I feel like we are very much the same way when it comes to the ways that God tests and tries us and, and frustrates us in order to foster our growth. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and as a good father, he's got to do that. As a good father, he's got to do that. If it was gratifying us all the time, that would be terrible. So, yeah. you know, so we don't, we, don't, um, we don't understand oftentimes why. And, and I think in some ways we can't, right? I think just like the sheep can't. You, I could sit down and explain to the sheep what's happening over and over again, and the sheep <laughs> can't understand. Any more than my kitten. Any more than your kitten could understand, right? Right. If you had to take your kitten in to get shots or something or for some kind of medical procedure, it's not going to understand, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I was too poor to do any of those things at the time. It would have just died. <laughs> I wasn't a very good caretaker, but I did my best. Um, what else we got? 
because there's a lot of ratings here. <laughs> well, and then I just I just thought about Mary Magdalene, you know, and kind of uh, you know, even when she encountered Christ, right outside the tomb, right? she she encountered the angels, and then she encountered Christ and and thought he was the gardener, right? This is you know kind of her human vision couldn't fathom Christ risen from the dead, even though it had been stated, you know, repeatedly earlier in the in the Gospels. You know, she mistook Christ for yeah. the um, for the gardener until he said her name, right, right, and then she saw. Are we going to skip Ezekiel because we got to at least say a little something about Ezekiel? Well, okay, because we're I, souls and hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, Jerry. Come Go on, he said, "I will give that... you." Okay, we're giving you a little off. Whatever, yeah. I will give you a new heart. heart. Yes, yeah. and place a new spirit within you. I will turn your stony hearts into natural hearts. Like, I, we can't skip that line, okay? We could go quickly through it, maybe, but... I, 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 I totally agree with you. I feel a little <laughs> chastised. I'm it's not chastising you. No, no, no. I, I didn't say you were. I just said I felt okay. chastised. You know, that's one of the examples <laughs> where, you know, I, didn't, I don't actually think you are. Okay, okay. I felt it a little bit, right? Okay. And, you know, no, 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 it's all good. So, yeah, no, our stony hearts, natural hearts. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, like, to me, that's one of the most beautiful lines in the whole Bible, to be honest, that he actually can turn our hearts. And that's, like, our heart is kind of like the center of who we are, right? Not, we don't, I don't mean the beating heart, right. biologically, the, the actual center of, right. of our, our kind of our mind and our emotional center, all kind of connected. And right. so he transforms that um i just think that's powerful and beautiful and into one that trusts him ultimately right, right? that relies on him like this like, like a sheep like a kitten like the israelites have to end up doing like just having to say you know god you're god i have to give myself to you even if i'm afraid right yeah. if we if and, and and the kicker on this is if we let him right he's not gonna it's not going to go in there and change it against our will, right? right? So the question is, can we be open to that transformation? Can we be receptive to that transformation of our, our mm -hmm. stony hearts becoming natural hearts? And there are people that are going to wind up with stony hearts in this crisis. There are going to be people whose faith grows cold. There's going to be people who do not rise to the challenge, you know? And the who... people with 300 million pounds of toilet paper in their basement those are the people <laughs> well i don't know you know i mean I'm just kidding yeah <laughs> i mean i mean i think but i think there's going to be a lot of times where we're going to see people's faith run cold um because you know in these times of trial there's a winnowing that happens there's a winnowing that happens between those that between those that are gonna are gonna stay and keep the faith and those that are not and um so i think there's going to be a lot of shaking out over the next weeks and months yeah so. But, but, you know, and that comes to the, the responsorial psalm that we read and hear, hear the word uh, that's in the readings is create in me a clean heart from right. Psalm 51, which right. is, again, asking God, no matter what's going on in the world or what's going on with my own personal sin, create in me a clean heart, transform my heart. That's right. So powerful. So two things there. One is it's an acknowledgement that we can't do it on our own strength. We can't change our hearts on our own strength. Mm -hmm. Right. We need God to create that clean heart in us. And second of all, we need to have that invitation. God's waiting for that invitation, you know, come into my heart and change it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that he's not, he's not just going to invade, 
he's not going to be uh, intrusive in that yeah. way. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But I love what you're saying, what I feel like your theme was saying there about, you know, we don't always see the way God sees, right? So we don't always, um, you know, we're, we need to see differently. We need to be ready for something unexpected because we're seeing it in a normal way. And all of a sudden, like, God has a whole other plan. And even Mary Magdalene, like you're saying, like even the apostles didn't really see it until it was right in front of them. And they were still, and what I think is an interesting line in both in the readings for the gospel is be not afraid. Cause you have the angel says to Mary, I think it's Mary, be not afraid as she approaches. And then when Jesus meets them, the first thing he says is be not, be not afraid. afraid. Right. And, and I think it's interesting that they have this, there's this ambiguity here or anatomy ambivalent. I don't know if the right word is, but these two opposing words that they were fearful and overjoyed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that's such an interesting bundle of emotion right there right you can be fearful and overjoyed and and so they were excited and yet overwhelmed right like, our, and and, and yeah. not being able to make sense of it all like 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 we struggle with yeah. we have trouble making sense out of these spiritual things because they're outside of our capacity to grasp there's a lot of mystery here yeah. You know, and, and we need to accept that because if we could understand everything, that's what I call the God in my pocket phenomenon, right? If you can understand everything about religion and everything about God, then you've got God in your pocket. You know, you've got him right in there where you can like have him come out and say whatever you think he's like say. a baby Yoda. He's like, or a... Yeah, like, yeah, he's just like a sock puppet, you know, and he can tell people what, you know, right. um, you know, what, you know, what, you know, he thinks uh, yeah. and stuff like that. And he's a wild God, you know, he's not a tame God. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah um all right you know okay i know we could go on for a while go on so for a long to, time but right. we have okay and if you're listening you, you won't get to see it maybe we'll put it on the website or something but we have we each came to this podcast differently with our own images right and i thought it would be fun for us to share our different you know our different pictures that we wanted to share with right. you right right you want to do yours first peter i'll do i'll do mine first so you know, and you can check this out. We'll also put it in the skim and we'll put it up on the website. We'll figure out a way to do that. But this is a picture I brought, right? This is a picture. It's called Lay in a Sense. And the Blessed Virgin in this picture, many of you may know it, is holding the Christ child as an infant, but also holding a sheep, a little lamb. And the sheep, the little lamb is resting peaceably in her arms along with, and the Christ child is in her arms too. And she's just so sweet and tender with the, um, with the lamb and with the Christ child. And so one of the action items, I'm going to actually give my action item right now, Jerry, is to, you know, put yourself in the position of that sheep in the arms of, of your mother, right? Our, the blessed Virgin Mary is our spiritual mother. She is more our mother than our natural mothers. You know, um, she is more our mother in the spiritual sense because she's our spiritual mother than our natural mothers. So as a little child coming as a little child to Christ, right? We need our mother. We need our father and our mother. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things when you're really feeling the anxiety here is to remember, uh, you can be that sheep or you can be another child in the Blessed Virgin Mother's arms along with the Christ child. And to actually bring that imagery into your prayer has been comforting to so many of my clients. I actually do a lot mm-hmm. of that image-based prayer with my clients when they're feeling particularly anxious and uncertain about the future. So it's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. So in contrast of your Romanesque 
visual. <laughs> I bring an icon. <laughs> so this is an icon of the resurrection. And what I think is powerful and what I love about this is that this, which is in the shape of a cross, are actually the gates of Hades that Christ has broken. And he literally stands over them to bring, um, to bring the people in Hades um, from the Old Testament into paradise, into the real paradise. So, I mean, I'm not absolutely sure in this particular image because some, some of them are so different people on this side but usually the first two are adam and eve and that is to indicate that christ is redeeming all of humanity from the very beginning and so then you typically see in the in the other side all of the um uh patriarchs Patriarchs, uh, everyone moses david everyone being um christ literally taking them from hades and bringing them uh in into heaven and then you know, and of course, on this side, I believe that's John the Baptist in this particular one. Mm-hmm. I'm not absolutely sure, but I believe it is. And so, you know, and then all the saints and apostles and everything that will follow. So it really is the idea in the Eastern um, uh, Catholic tradition is that Christ destroys death. Well, I mean, that's true in the Western tradition, too. But it's just an emphasis in the Western, in the Eastern tradition that he destroys death. That in some sense, that death thought it could like it it thought when it got christ like on the cross that it was capturing whoa it had gotten um jesus satan rejoiced right you know thought he was victorious but it didn't know what it really got (laughs) (laughs) it's just like what the egyptians got the egyptian army got when they went into the red sea yeah Yeah. and in fact it got just death got destroyed death got destroyed by trying to take christ right who is god right death was in fact destroyed and so that is our hope that is our trust that is our what we're celebrating today hallelujah is that death itself is destroyed and even if we face death in this world we know we have this confidence we have this hope we know that his covenant is everlasting and his love is always with us so 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 the trick is that the important thing is to get that knowledge not just in our heads Mm -hmm. but in our hearts right? They really have that embedded in our hearts. And we need to pray for that. That's not something that we can just do, you know, by our own strength of will. And so, so the other recommendation I have for you, so the first recommendation was to, uh, you know, pray that image-based prayer of being in the arms of Our Lady, um, like the sheep. The second thing is to pray the litany of trust. The litany of trust is by Sister Maria Faustina Pia, um, and it was given to me by uh, one of my former, my former clients, um, and um, and I just love it. It's um, it's something that I that I pray very regularly, and um, and really, uh, we're going to actually make that available uh, on the um, on the skim. So you can go to our website, soulsandhearts.com, click on "Be with the Word," and you can find it under this episode. It'll be on like the show notes, the skim, and it'll we'll reprint it there, and we'll also give you some links. To, um, to be able to find it on the internet. Or if you just Google litany of trust, uh, you can find it as well. So, but it really captures so many of the things. What I love about it as a psychologist is it captures so many of the things that people worry about. So many of the things that people lack trust in. And we specifically ask um, for the graces and the, and the relational connection to overcome that with our, with our Lord. So, um, so yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. 
Well, and just to quickly mention a few things for uh, on Souls and Hearts, you know, we have our new website's been up for a little bit uh, at soulsandhearts.com. Uh, so if you haven't checked it, the new website out, please do. But we have um, Dr. Peter here has an amazing podcast called The Coronavirus Crisis, Carpe Diem. Carpe Diem, of course, means seize the day. Seize the so, day. Yeah. So he brings it home and he... He's a little sly because I thought I was the geeky one of the two of us, but he's been quoting <laughs> Lord of the Rings and other such things. And, and, and he's, he's a secret geek. He just doesn't want you to know it. <laughs> Episode five, which came out a while ago now, is all about Denethor and Denethor's struggle, right? Which ties right in with these readings. And Denethor, as some of you Lord of the Rings fans would remember, you know, he had a huge trial of faith. He had a huge trial of faith and he relied on his own vision, right? So we talk a lot about that in episode five, but I am looking for a, for a few red-blooded Catholics to sort of rise up and, and really work with me on, on, on becoming shining lights in this crisis. So that's what that podcast is all about. Um, and come and check it out. Uh, register at soulsandhearts.com. You'll see a little page pop up for the, for the uh, coronavirus crisis Carpe Diem podcast. Yeah. And... Dear Dr. Jerry, we got to talk about your course because this is a huge achievement for Souls and Hearts. This is the, this is the couples course. So tell right. us about that. Yeah. Right. So it's a course designed for couples where one of the members has struggled with pornography. And so it's, it really has exercises for both a husband and a wife to do and for them to do together. So it really is a marriage course. And it is designed to deal with the issue of, of pornography addiction and for healing to happen and reconciliation to happen within the marriage. Powerful stuff. But if you're not married or, or if you're, okay, if, well, you're, if you're just a husband or a wife, you could do it individually if you want. Uh, and if you're not married, but you want to work on this issue of a pornography problem, before marriage, this is also a really useful course because it would give right. you what you need. It's going to give, well, it's, it'll give you the, the other, the other, the perception of the other spouse too, right? So if you're a, if you're a husband or if you're a man and you want to be a husband, you're going to see how porn use really impacts women, you know, yeah. how, how it impacts wives and all from a Catholic perspective too. This isn't just a secular understanding that Dr. Jerry's bringing to you. It's, it's firmly grounded in a Catholic worldview. And that's so important for us, obviously at souls and hearts. So yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful tons, thing. You know, you could uh, tons of insights and education that you might get in, in some counseling or that I've used in counseling, right. Like provide for you in that course. But then we also have an awesome blog. Yep. Yep. It is. Um, do you want to say something about it, Dr. Peter? Or um, yeah, let's let's talk about that. Now, there's there's um, the blog is by uh, Anthony Asoko, and we've known him for a while. Excellent, uh, excellent mental health professional. He is actually writing about masculinity and isolation. And what was the other? Self-care. Self-care. How, how do you do that when we're all busy socially distancing and all of that? So that's really exciting. We have been extremely consistent. We have never missed a Thursday with a new blog from when we started this in November. Right. I'm actually really proud that we have, despite all the challenges, kept this whole thing going. And I give thanks to God. You know, there's a number of Catholic websites that have faltered or shut down or, you know, podcasts that have ended or whatever. You know, we've actually ramped up. We're, we're putting out new content four and five days a week. So, yeah. um, so, and it's, that's for you. Give us feedback though, you know, go ahead and write us. Um, you know, we've got, uh, ways that you can submit stuff or, um, you go ahead and email us at, uh, admin at soulsandhearts.com. Um, we'd love to hear from, you know, we'd love to hear from you. So. 
Yes. Yeah. I appreciate some of the messages we have received, been receiving on yep. YouTube and on Twitter. So check us out, Twitter, YouTube. I'm about, I'm getting ready to get an Instagram going. <laughs> Facebook too. We were on we're Facebook. On, we've been on Facebook for a while. Right. So we, we've been right. posting there, but I'm just saying we don't have an Instagram. It's, you know, this is where old people, right? <laughs> but I, I'm getting there. And so hopefully we'll be there too really soon. So you can see us everywhere in social media. Anyhow, uh, we've, really thank you for being with us and for uh we hope that you've gotten something out of our podcast we've been so excited i feel like we started the very beginning of advent and we're still going it's now easter sunday we feel very blessed uh we feel very blessed by god uh this is just uh yeah. a ministry yeah. of love for us um to be able to integrate faith and psychology and to try to offer something to 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 people um uh, like you and we we hope you're you're benefiting and i know we i'm enriched and i, I think dr peter is too oh, yeah, definitely this experience so we're just blessed to have you and we're blessed to be doing what we do and we're blessed by so many things we're just so grateful and this easter sunday we're just like hallelujah thank you God, hallelujah thank you, jesus yeah. um for tr- transforming our lives so we hope that in this beginning of this new uh you know season after easter in the easter season uh, that uh, that you continue to grow with us in this pilgrimage uh, of transformation. All right. So till next time, be still, believe, be loved. Be loved. God bless you all.